So we're in the middle of our God's Soulmates series, and the whole idea of this is looking at characters from the Bible, looking at what they experienced in terms, in terms of friendship with God, how they related to God, the kind of relationship they enjoyed with God, to have a look at what is possible for humanity in terms of relationship with God. And uh, we believe that as New Testament Christians, that we, God had something better prepared for us than what some of these characters knew in the Old Testament. So we want to know what is possible, what God has prepared for us as believers. Now, God's interactions with Solomon began with that all-important question. God asked Solomon, what do you want? Solomon, what do you want? And actually that is a really key question for all of us. What is it that you want? It was like a blank check offer. And I actually think it's a very quick way to get to know a person. If you can find out what somebody really wants, what is their deepest desires, you can know them quite well, right? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever it is you treasure, whatever it is you desire, whatever it is you hold most valuable, that says an awful lot about where your heart is and about how you arrange the priorities of your life. What is it that you want? I once went on a training day with a load of other church leaders and the facilitator of the training day posed a question to us, something along the lines of, if you had all the millions in the bank that you could possibly need, and if you had hundreds of really gifted, motivated volunteers to come and work with you, what would you do? What would you and your church want to do in your town? What would you do? And actually, it was amazing to see people's response to that question, because people had all kinds of things, dreams and ideas and visions that were bubbling away in their hearts that they hadn't actually had permission to articulate before this point. A lot of them, uh, this was something that, there was something surprising that drew, was drawn out of these leaders. Some of them were a little bit shocked because they just didn't have any vision at all. But it actually revealed something of what was going on in the heart. It's a penetrating question. The answer goes right to the middle of our lives. So maybe this is something you could ask yourself this week. What do you want? What is it you really want? And maybe have an open conversation with God about that, because let's face it, he does know it anyway, doesn't he? He already knows. So Solomon asks for wisdom. He felt inadequate and inexperienced in the position that he found himself in. So we read it together. Where's my clicker gone? There it is, there it is on mine. Okay, this is the passage we're looking at. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies. Anyone ever pray for that? The death of your enemies or a long life. But rather, you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested. But I will also give you wealth and riches and fame such as no other king has had before you or ever will have in the future. What an extraordinary piece of scripture. 
So Solomon asked for wisdom. He was feeling out of his depth in the role that God had given him. Has anyone ever felt like that? Have you ever taken on a job or a responsibility and you suddenly feel, I am a little bit out of my depth here? Sometimes when you graduate and you're straight out of university and you take your first job and you're, you're there trying to do the job you're trained for, it feels like a very strange position to be in until you've had a few years under your belt doing that job. You can kind of feel uh, like you're faking it. I mean, that's the saying, isn't it? Fake it till you make it. Have you ever heard of that? It's a weird feeling. I'm doing a really responsible job. I'm really not sure I'm up, uh, I'm up to it. Keep smiling. Look purposeful. These people may not realise that I haven't got the faintest idea of what I'm doing. Sometimes that feeling lasts a long time. And it goes on into our career. And I, I, That's called imposter syndrome. Have you come across that? It's where our belief in ourselves and our sense of identity hasn't quite caught up with our role in life. Uh, and we can just feel as though we're not supposed to be in a role, or we're still faking it long into our role. And that we feel we're worried that someone, one day somebody's going to catch us out and expose the fact that we really are not up to the task. Well, that's pretty much where Solomon is, I think, when God asks him, what do you want? He's feeling inadequate. He's feeling like his identity uh, and his skill set isn't up for the role that he's found himself in. But he does something very wise. He shares the problem with God. He fesses up to God about how he's feeling in his role. He comes to God and asks for his help to feel equipped. He asks for wisdom. So that he can know what to do to fulfill his role really well. And God answers his prayer. God gave him wisdom and loads on top of that. God allowed him to see all sorts of things. And he allowed him to know what to do in any given situation. And I think that's where wisdom really shines. is when we can put ourselves in different situations and we still know what to do, even if we've never come across those things before. Solomon became so wise that rulers travelled from around the world just to hear him speak and to, just to sit with him as he did his day-to-day decision-making because he was such an inspiration. But he also understood whole areas of life. He understood human nature. He understood uh, how family works and how to work with people, how people tick. He wrote all those proverbs which are all about life and how people are. Does anyone need wisdom for dealing with a tricky person at work? Or are you dealing with some complicated family dynamics? Solomon knew what to do in those moments when people were difficult or situations got out of control. Solomon also understood things in the way that they worked, how things worked. He, he understood the natural world. Listening to him talk, talking about ecosystems and animal behaviour was a bit like listening to David Attenborough talking about life at the bottom of the ocean. He was blowing people's minds all the time by how he understood things and how he could explain what was happening in the natural world. He also understood engineering and mathematics. He was like a distillation of the best bits of Einstein and Hawking and Isambard Kingdom Brunel all rolled into one. He was also an incredible architect and artist. 
you're starting to dislike him. Uh, <laughs> he designed the temple from God's blueprints, but he executed the design in a way that nobody had ever seen before. He was incredibly creative and artistic. He was a bit of an all-rounder, wasn't he? Um, has anyone seen TED Talks? Anyone listen to a few TED Talks? Are you familiar with what they are? Generally 10 to 20 minutes uh, of a talk without notes from someone who is really on top of their field, whatever it is. Usually it's, it's in the area of something that's quite important and pressing in today's world. Well, he could probably do it, 10 TED Talks a day on different subjects and he'd still have material left over. That was the kind of guy he was. And as we saw in the drama, he was also the go-to person for any problem. So people used to come and bring their problems and their issue to him. And his wisdom allowed him to spot exactly where things were not working. He could put his finger on the heart of a problem or a difficult issue. And then he had insight into what was needed to change things, where things needed to go. He would offer solutions that no one else could see. And then he would make them simple to achieve. That's what wisdom does. And all of this made him extremely valuable. The problem solvers of this world are still the most valuable people on the planet. The problem solvers of this world are still the most valuable people on earth, functionally. If you can solve problems that affect a lot of people, you are like gold. If you could submit a clear and workable plan for a successful Brexit <laughs> that all parties would be happy with, you would be a very valuable person. If you could present a clear and workable plan to ease pressure on the NHS, you would be a very valuable person. If you could come up with a new cure-all approach to solve the problem of cancer, you would be an extremely valuable person. Or even something trivial, like if you could solve the question of what iPhone users want from their phones in two years' time. I'm telling you that people would pay a lot of money for your services. So let's translate that into our everyday remit. If you can offer solutions for your family, or your company, or your department that you work in, that will enrich the lives of everyone concerned, you will become the most valuable person in the room as far as functionality goes. So we're not talking about our identity in God here, we're just talking about what, what we offer society and what we offer our areas of work. Problems come in so many forms. That difficult kid in your classroom that makes it difficult for all the other children to learn. That funding cut that makes it impossible to run the services that you've been running all these years. Whatever the problem is, if you can see how to resolve the situation and bring relief to the team right in the place where it hurts, you'll soon be seen as the most valuable person in your field and you'll quickly rise within your field if you choose to. You become the go-to person when things are needed to be sorted out. This is the kind of help that leaders all around the world are looking for, they're desperate for, they will seek people out that can help in ways that will solve their problems. They can't get enough of the problem solvers. Solomon wrote this himself. He said, do you see a man or woman skillful in their work? They will stand before kings, 
they will not stand before obscure men. Do you see a man or a woman skillful in their work? They will stand before kings. They will not stand before obscure men. Your wisdom is what makes you highly prized to leaders of organizations. So this is the heart of the message today. God knows everything, doesn't he? He does. He knows everything. This may be news to some of you, but he does. God knows absolutely everything. He understands how everything works. He can always put his finger on what changes are needed. He can make complicated things very simple. He knows how to solve every single problem that you might face. But the Bible says he is happy to share his wisdom with you if we ask him to. This is one of my favourite verses. It's a, it's a verse to cling to. It's in James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, say any of you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives generously, say generously, to all, say all, without reproach, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Can we put it in any more concise terms than that? God loves to give his wisdom to those who ask him. Christians, full of the Holy Spirit, should be some of the most sought-after, creative, and inventive people on the planet, with an insight into all areas of life that others find astonishing. God is able to give us insight and ideas that when acted upon will make a real difference to the people and the services that we work with. I want to invite Dave Tomlinson to come. He may need a helper just to come and make sure. In fact, John, could I be, could I be really cheeky and ask you to just help, help to make sure that the tower doesn't fall over? Because <laughs> Dave's worked quite hard. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> okay, Dave. <laughs> Dave here is a uh, cardiologist, is that right? Yep. He's a, he's a heart surgeon. Uh, it's probably better to describe him as, as a, a heart electrician, I guess. And um, some of Dave's work has taken his, his uh, practice in a new direction by using machinery in a new way that nobody else on the planet uh, has, has used in that way. Is that right? Yep. Okay, do you want to explain it to us in a way that I can't possibly explain it? Yeah, cool. So, uh, I do something that sounds completely ridiculous, uh, but uh, I burn the inner lining of the heart, uh, diatomy burning inside the heart, without actually being able to see what I'm doing, to get just the right effect. So I was describing this to my niece a few weeks ago. So, if I'm sort of standing here, and I'm on an electrically abnormal spot inside the heart, the heart's a big thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm here, and you want someone to have their problem eradicated, so to keep these electrical impulses where, you know, walled off from the rest of the heart electrically, what you can try and do is bring in a kind of roadworks analogy. So I'm trying to dig the perfect depth of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of ditch around me, a complete circle. It has to be completely going all the way around, just the right depth through to keep these electrical impulses inside. I go too far, I hit a gas main or a water main, 
and that's very bad. So I want to do this little line of sort of you know, perfect depth digging. So that's what I'm doing inside the heart, but I'm doing it not knowing exactly how deep I should be digging, which is a bit of tension. And uh, no one quite knows uh, exactly when they put the spade in how deep it will go. Yeah, that's quite a tension as well, because the spade here is a little tiny catheter, a little tube that's put up from the top of the patient's leg and is inside the heart, but instead of this nice road that isn't moving, inside the heart things are moving with about a you know, 16 or so minute uh, frequency of the breaths and about between 60 and 100 frequency on top of that with a heartbeat. So there's these two frequencies oscillating in the background and you're trying to put your spade in, you're thinking, how deep is this going to go? Because if it goes a bit too deep, something's very bad and the patient could die. So how could I do that without God in the first place? Never on this earth could I do any of that without God. He always catheters and say, look on an x-ray screen, it's like a crazy number of tubes inside of the side, thinking, what am I doing here? This is nuts. Well, actually, you know, all in God's hands, I could not do without him. So the unique thing that I suppose that I've kind of been able to come up with is having this, this thing where I'm in the shower usually and I have an idea uh, and I don't know where it comes from. And uh, so a few years ago when this new bit of equipment came along, um, I just had an idea as to how to use it. And it was an idea based on the principle that it's wrong to, to believe something just because someone important says it. So at the time, there was this publication out there, all great in the good in cardiac electrophysiology, which is what I did. All, all the was getting together thinking, this is how to use this bit of kit before it was released to the market to us to use it. So this paper came out, I read it, okay, whatever. Uh, but that's completely, it's completely scientifically invalid to apply that to my practice because my is different. So that was my one unique thought compared to anyone else on the planet, so that I am different. I mean, crazy to have that thought, you know. We all should have had that thought. So the first approach was not to just follow the masses and do something that they did. But the second thing was about a year and a half later, this other bit of a kit came. So imagine if, Yours, this is really weird way of putting it, but imagine if your spade that you're digging had a sensor on it so it could tell you exactly what you've done each time you shoveled. Okay. Then, the worst case scenario, then if you hit gas main, you could look at your spade and go, oh, what's that last dig? Get all the information off it and never do that same dig with your spade again. But actually, thankfully, not having complications, what tends to happen is there's I do what I think is a perfect encirclement of this particular area, and then there's a bit of there's, there's a bridge that I've left, a bridge that allows the electrical impulses to go out. So I look at the two digs I've done either, that I've done either side of that, and go, ah, that wasn't so deep, that wasn't so, that wasn't so deep. So next time round, and, and I deal with this in the you know, fallout patient, but next time round I need to do that depth dig. So that's what I did with this new tool, and that was the second unique thing, because no one thought to use this, this new tool as a way of learning what you're doing for the very first time. Because before that, we all have to admit, terrifying as it may seem, we're just wafting a catheter in someone's heart without any sense of how firmly we're touching inside the heart, without any sense of what you're doing in terms of, of what's called ablation depth, without any sense of what you should be doing at that spot anyway, without any sense of what you've done to then learn from it, ever in the future. So if you use these things to... to and if you're afraid of surgery, just forget that last bit, OK? <laughs> <laughs> now we are informed. So the best thing about this is that, right, so I've got amazingly better outcomes um, from this, but which no one yet believes. So I need definitely prayer for people to, to you know, for doors to be open for people to hear this news. But 
um, there's a, a recent advance in the way that this tool can be used, so I can give really hard scientific proof that what I've done is actually appropriate. But it's, um, yeah, there's a, a strange word, it's democratising ablation. So what I mean by that is it's allowing everyone to do something and to learn from what they do and to be the best possible effectors of that treatment themselves forever and constantly learning without having someone else lord it over them and say, copy me, do it like me. So it's, it's, it's democratising ablation, it's allowing them to get the best possible hand skills to learn if they're open-minded enough to learn and, be, and for patients worldwide to be better off for it. So it's basically, yeah, uh, all from those shower moments and thinking, where did that come from? And that's my story. Yes, thanks Dave. We're very blessed to have you here. That's cool, isn't it? Did you understand all of that? Did you get the key points? Dave won't tell you this, but there's, uh, there's people all in his field that are looking at his results and basically saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe that's possible. Um, because Dave's getting such great results from what he's understood about his work. And uh, yeah, I think America is disbelieving as far as I understand. Um, but one day they will believe and they will take up Dave's way of doing things. Um, but isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad there's people like Dave in the world that listen to the Lord in the shower when they're operating on your heart? It's amazing. Uh, we could have asked lots of people to share how God is giving us insight into what we do and helping us to work beyond uh, our ordinary standard and how God has given us nudges in those key moments. Um, I'm just looking around the room, there's lots of people that I could have invited to come up here to share. Um, but it could be anything, it could be teachers, it could be education staff, it could be healthcare professionals, social care people, lawyers, business people, Retail, food, farming, study, research, sport, art, design, music, dance. There's, there's, there's no end to it. There's no end to the wisdom of God. Amen. You name it. There are different ways of seeing and approaching everything. And some simply see better and understand better and therefore contribute far more than others. You are those who have access to God by his Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you this week to learn from Solomon and to make a habit of asking the Lord for his wisdom. And he can give you wisdom that you need to bless any and every situation. Amen? Amen.